millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Remember the good old picture postcard? Are you still getting or sending any? Because before likes and retweets and endorsements, the postcard was the cheap and easy way to let someone know that you were thinking of them, that you cared. Even though postcards have become a bit of an endangered species in the age of emails, texts, WhatsApp, Snapchat and all the other kinds of instant messaging, they're still far from extinct. Tom Jackson got into them more than 25 years ago, and since then he's built up a massive collection of tens of thousands of cards. He's written a book and also started up a popular Twitter account, at Postcard, that now has more than 67,000 followers. Tom tweets a picture of the front of the postcard along with a sentence off the back. The effect can be quite funny and sometimes quite jarring, with a tacky image on the front clashing with what's been written. In his show, Podcast from the Past, he also uses the postcard as a springboard into stories. Two guests bring some favourite postcards into the studio. Tom does the same and they talk about what they mean and why they were sent. I'll speak to Tom in just a moment, but here's some of it to give you a taste. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the programme that explores the messages and meanings of old postcards. Each time on this programme, my guests bring in postcards that for some reason they couldn't bear to throw away, and we find out exactly why they decided to hold on to them and just what those cards mean to them. I'm Tom Jackson, and my guests today are Sasha Dugdale and Samuel West. Sasha and Sam, I'm delighted that you're here. Thank you for asking us. Sasha Dugdale is a poet, a playwright, and a translator. From 1995 to 2000, she worked for the British Council in Russia, and she was until very recently the editor of Modern Poetry and Translation. Her latest collection is Joy, which contains the poem of the same name, uh, a monologue in the voice of William Blake's wife, Catherine, exploring the creative partnership between the artist and his wife. And Joy received the 2016 Forward Prize for Best Single Poem. The judges called it an extraordinarily sustained, visionary piece of writing. Sasha arrives today with a Sussex postmark. Sasha, are you still a sender of postcards? Yes, definitely. I love writing postcards and I love writing long letters and keeping correspondences going. seems like the least you can do in the face of digital technology, really. So you don't get put off by the process of having to find the card, remember the address, get the stamp? No, no, quite the opposite. I love the mechanics of it. That's something that really appeals. I like taking it to the post office. I like handing it over rather than just dropping it into a post box. It's, there's something also about the dealings in the post office with the, the post office clerk that's really magical as well. Excellent. Well, I'm, glad, I'm delighted to hear that. Samuel West is an actor and director. He starred in plays including Hamlet, Arcadia, Enron and Betrayal. In films such as Van Helsing, Notting Hill and the film of Howard's End, and he gained a new audience when he appeared as Frank Edwards in Mr. Selfridge. 
He was artistic director of Sheffield Theatres from 2005 to 2007, and he is the chair of the National Campaign for the Arts, campaigning for an increase in arts funding. He also spends a fair amount of time in rooms not unlike this one as an in-demand voice for television narration on the radio and for often very lengthy audiobooks. Sam, of course, comes from a family with a well-known history in acting, being the son of Timothy West and Prunella Scales. Sam arrives with a postmark from south-west London. Yep, Wandsworth. <laughs> wonderful Wandsworth, brighter borough. <laughs> Sam, when did you last send a postcard? Uh, yesterday. Did you? To Tunisia. Very good. Can we hear more? Yeah, it was the first one we've had to send as part of the post-crossing project, uh, which is something I do with my daughter. And uh, I think Tunisia is uh, the 54th country we've either written to or received postcards from in two and a half years. Now, for those who don't know, and I think a lot of people are very familiar with post-crossing, what's the mechanics of this and what's the, what's the philosophy behind it? Um, well, it's a postcard exchange uh, project that works through a website but in involves the true exchange of real postcards. Basically, you sign up and you give them a little profile and your address, but your address is only known to the people who write to you one at a time, so it's very safe. And you say, I want to send a postcard to somebody. And you click on a, a, a button and somebody's name comes up and it's Klaus in Innsbruck and Klaus says I really like trains so you look in your trains trains for instance you look in your enormous collection of postcards that you <laughs> haven't yet sent to anybody and find a nice train and then you find a nice stamp and then you write to Klaus and you say hello and I write on behalf of my daughter who is only three so she's not big enough to write her own cards yet but I draw around her hand and I say <laughs> we send away from London and then you put a number on it and when Klaus gets the card, he enters the number into the website and you get a little note saying, your postcard to Klaus arrived. And then maybe you get a little note from Klaus saying, I did like that train, thank you so much. And that is the end of your relationship with Klaus. It's like... So there won't be a repeat with Klaus? No, no, you just have... It's like having a pen friend, but you only have to have one postcard's worth of things to say to each other. I mean, he can write <laughs> back if he wants to, and sometimes people do. But basically then, because you've written to Klaus successfully, you get a card back from someone else in the world, but you don't know who that is. It won't be Klaus from Innsbruck. And... Instead of putting my return address, I put my daughter's address. And in two and a half years, she's had coming up for 350 cards. Wow. Uh, so she gets her own post basically twice a week. We used to put flags in, a little, in, a, in an enormous map of the world, but there are now so many that I can't <laughs> keep up. So now we just put a flag in when a new country is. is, is so we put one into Tunisia this week. It's an open-hearted thing, isn't it? It's very good. Yeah, agreed. That's a very good description. Well, you've, I can see that you've... I mean, I know you're a postcard collector, Sam, and you've also... You're, you're weaving postcards into your family's life, which is fascinating. Sasha, I have this theory that postcards actually touch all of us more than perhaps we realise. Actually, I know in the room today we're all converts. But, Sasha, is there some connection between the precision, the selection of words that a poet has to make and postcards, which obviously have a limited space to write your message. Is, is, can you see a parallel there, or am I uh, imagining it? I think that there's something about the size of a postcard and the reduction that you have to make when you're writing a postcard that makes you go for the absolute essential. And quite often, you know, you read a postcard and it's, it's all pretty meaningless, but sometimes there's something about the amount of space you've got which makes you write 
exactly what you think or feel or something entirely whimsical that somehow maybe subconsciously expresses something that you couldn't have got to if you'd written a letter or if you'd talked to someone for three hours. So there is something that's similar to poetry in that respect and it's, it's, a, it's a formal quality, I think. But then the other, I suppose, the downside of that is if, um, as a poet, you weigh your words. Do you sit staring at the blank postcard, <laughs> concerned that this has to... You can't use a cliché. So how do you, do you feel a bit of a pressure? The best poetry that I've written has come utterly unbidden. It hasn't come because I've sat there looking at a page. It's come because it's wanted to come. And sometimes it comes because there's a space for it, and a postcard is a space. So it, it's a, And it is a chink in your life. So there's, yes, I mean, there's something about that, the freedom just to, just that small space. It's like a game almost, and games are fantastically good ways to express yourself. Well, before we inspect the cards that my guests have very kindly brought along, I'm going to kick things off with a couple of cards that I've got in the postcard from the past style. The first is a card of Malmesbury Abbey in Wiltshire, a ruin, I think, really. Um, a nice old card, actually, from 1967. Uh, three wonderful old, uh, blue stamps there, penny each. And it's the message reads, We had four bull calves shot yesterday. <laughs> we caught four rats. One yesterday, five today. The dog killed them all on the farm. There's a sort of exquisite contrast between the flat religiosity of the card <laughs> and the violence of the message. I, and miscounting the rats. It doesn't. Yeah, the numbers don't make sense. Not at all. And, you know, if it was a conversation, you'd go back and say, but that doesn't add... Just they're gone. They can't talk to them. <laughs> Who are they? No, no idea. Yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, rat killing. I've never sent a card with rat killing, but, you know... I used to keep rats. I'm very sad. I've had five rats in my life, but I certainly wouldn't want the dog going after them. No, one after the other. Dear, dear. Uh, 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 Yeah, dreadful, dreadful. The shooting of the calves is obviously newsworthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if you're a... Uh, I, yeah. It's better not to ask. Better not to ask. Anyway, that was sent by someone called Mel. And it's such a lovely message. Six kisses at the end. You know, one for each rat and then one for luck. There's a, there's a whole novel in that postcard, isn't there? It's just... You can write it. <laughs> Sasha Dugdale and Samuel West on Podcast from the Past. And the show's host, Tom Jackson, told me about his postcard collection and how he finds his guests. When my guests come in, they bring with them postcards that they've held on to for whatever reason. They might have received them through the post, they might have bought them somewhere, they might have found them in a second-hand shop. And I want to know the story, why they've held on to them. And really, for us, the postcards in the podcast, they're little trampolines that take us into stories. I always say, if the programme is going really well... We don't even talk too much about postcards because they've done their job. They've taken us off into some other stories. And what's the size of your own postcard collection? I mean, does it, does it run into thousands? I mean, how big is it? You use the word collection. I think that's a very a sophisticated word, really, for <laughs> something that is more of a hoard. I mean, I, I have a, a collection of, 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 of kind of quite nice cards, or what I consider nice cards, cards, cards that are kind of organised. But beyond that, I have this kind of huge, slightly amorphous archive of cards that are for the Twitter, for the book, for the podcast. And that probably runs into something like 50 or 60,000. Wow. Lots and lots of boxes. Where do you keep them all? Well, they are meant to be in the garage 
but they find a way of creeping into the house because I'm always going through boxes looking at things or looking for things or trying to sift through them for a particular card or a particular kind of card. So there's a sense of uh, a lucky dip. I put my hand into a box of cards and see what comes out. And for me, that's actually the pleasure of it. I, I never know what I'm going to find when I get a, a box of cards. and I look in it and I'll see a message that is funny or sweet or emotional. And that's like that person talking to me from 40 years ago. And I've had that I'm really privileged to have that little insight into their life at that moment. And I love that. That's, I'm addicted to that, really. It's, it's just fascinating. The message is very simple. It's like a sort of news report directly from the holiday from Margaret in 1976, July. Hot summer, as you remember. Oh. And it says, um, there is a horrible big bee in our tent and won't get out. So there you are. That was going on while she was writing it, obviously. Yeah, news just in. Exactly. <laughs> and in fact, you know, the handwriting's pretty stable considering she's being threatened by this large bee. There was a lovely sense that you get as well it's of, of history and how we look at the history books now and you have this sense of these big events in the past and how important they were. And then the postcard, you know, it almost deflates that sometimes, doesn't it? Because you have these lovely comments of... I, I can remember one about them, um, Neil Armstrong on the moon and the people had gone to sleep or something and had missed the entire thing. Yeah, that was a great card. <laughs> that, and exactly right. They'd, they'd, they'd set their alarm to get up and watch this late-night broadcast of Man Landing on the Moon, and I think that was probably the latest television had even run up to that point. Normally it switched off at midnight or half 11 or something. So they'd set the alarm, but they overslept. And I think that it, that is kind of insightful into how we actually experience history. History can, can... When you read the history books, it looks like it's all newspaper headlines, but actually we, we don't live our lives in the headlines. We live our lives in, in, in the erratum slips and the, and the errors and the footnotes, and, and that's what our real lives are. And there can sometimes be quite a jarring disconnect that I listened to and I enjoyed on, on your show sometimes between the kind of image, often quite kitschy image, on the front of the card and the comment on the back of it. Absolutely. Well, the key disjunction on a postcard is, is the front of it, the picture, is mass-produced and frequently idealised. Um, that has to sell to thousands of people. But the message on the back is unique and personal, and that reflects your real experience. So you might have a, a, um, an airbrushed blue sky on the front, but the message on the background might be telling you about it, how it's rained for five days solidly. <laughs> And I think we're all probably familiar. I kept finding myself nodding my head as you as you and your guests were like making these little remarks about how big your writing is at the beginning of the postcard <laughs> dictates how much you can fit in. And we probably all had those experiences of trying either to, to write really big so it's kind of a distant relative, we haven't got much to say, or writing really, really small and trying to f squeeze an inordinate amount into this you know, completely impractical space. I think that's right. And I think um, it's a bit like making a phone call to someone. You know, there are people who are awkward to talk to and you're, you're, you're fearful of long silences. And there are people with whom the conversation flows. And I think it's the same. It's, um, I mean, I have quite small handwriting, but uh, on some postcards, I'll try and start quite large so that uh, I don't have to get too many words in. Some people agonise over, what should I put on this postcard? Just say where we are, what it's like, and uh, send love. There we go, that'll do. Yes, and uh, you'll find writing about the weather at some length is yeah. uh, fairly customary. <laughs> weather, food, location, 
Lots of love. See you soon. Bye-bye. How do you find your guests? Because they're, they're a they're great cross-section of people from, from all kinds of, of areas of the entertainment world and history and poets. And how do you... Because presumably they have all expressed some interest in postcards. How do you find them? All my guests really are people who have interacted on the Twitter Twitter, as you probably know, is, is quite a wordy medium, wordy piece of social media. It tends to attract people who like to use words. And a lot of journalists, comedians, other writers, novelists kind of latched onto what I was doing on Twitter quite quickly. And I spotted that there were some interesting names, people I, I would never dream of uh, contacting or I'd, I never thought I'd meet. And so when the podcast came along, I thought, well, why don't I dig into this resource of interesting people and see if they'd come along. And, and really amazingly, a lot of them said yes. So suddenly I've got people I really admire, comedians and writers and, and, and poets and actors, chatting about postcards with me, which I thought no one would be interested in. But, um, you know, we all have more in common than we realise, perhaps. And how do you decide which guests to, to team up with who? Because that, there must be a bit of an art to that as well, making sure that it, you know, they're all kind of compatible and the conversation flows, or is that just luck? I, th- I think it's a it's a bit of a feel, you know. Of course, it's about who's available on what day. We yeah. can't deny that. But I think you start try and think who's going to match uh, with whom. Because after all, for me, the, the best programs are the ones where, obviously, I'm kind of running the show and kind of give it some structure. But when the guests interact with each other and it becomes more of a, a conversation between us all, that's really where it tends to take off. And also, that's where it takes you in directions I didn't expect, which is wonderful. Coldplay have the best rider I'd ever heard, which is that as part of their post-show thing, along with the food and the alcohol, they ask for four stamped local postcard views that they can just go, hello, we're here, and run away. And That's brilliant. It's wonderful, brilliant. isn't it? It's so simple. And a surprising number of them sound like they are still sending postcards to this day, as I, as I guess you are too. I send postcards, definitely. I mean, I was a little bit surprised when this whole project started, that postcard sending had died out to the extent that it had, because I never stopped. I think perhaps I kind of didn't notice. But yes, I think I think writers certainly get postcards. Postcards are used to promote books. So writers have postcards knocking around. Actors, I think, often send postcards, little good lucks and thank yous. It's a cheap civilised, nice way to, to keep in touch with people. So I think it may be that my guests, are, I've sort of, there's something self-selecting, that they, they are the kind of people who still send postcards. So they're not a representative sample of the population, I don't think. I think on the whole, postcard sending is really, it's waning. But my guests, I suppose, almost by definition, are the kind of people who still like doing it. It's a funny mix of the public and the private too, isn't it? Because I guess whenever I've sent a postcard, I've, I've sometimes thought, I wonder how many people have actually read this on the way. I mean, it probably isn't of any interest to anyone, but that there is opportunities for people on various stages of the process to, to have a bit of a read and see what you're up to. Well, I, I'm very lucky because my handwriting is so appalling <laughs> that even the recipient normally has trouble understanding the message, uh, let alone the postman. <laughs> but we, 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 one person told me a story. I think it was, it might have been Eamon Ford, the music journalist, was saying he lived in a very, grew up in a very small village. And it was him. I, I could be doing him a disservice. But when it, one of the guests mentioned actually writing a message on the card to the postman. 
So they'd be writing... The main message would be to their family back home. But it might say, you know, uh, hi, Gerald, hope you're getting on well. And, and, and that's the postman who they knew would read it. So um, they were convinced that this happened. I would always feel that postmen are probably too busy to do this, but I don't know. <laughs> in a future programme, we will definitely get a postman in. And find out how many of them they're read. Are there any guests that you've really, you'd really love to, to get on the show that you haven't been able quite to, to get on yet? Well, there's one guest who I think would be terrific, and that's Ringo Starr, because he's a Beatle. Yeah. But also, he published a book a few years ago of postcards that he had received from the other Beatles, particularly from the, from the breakup of the Beatles to when they became solo artists. And uh, I would find that very interesting to talk to Ringo about postcards. Tom Jackson of Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. Tom's on Twitter at Past Postcard, and you can find links to more episodes if you go to rnz.co.nz forward slash podcast hour now. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.